We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. The phone number 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Uh, I'm going to switch things around a little bit here because I I do want to get to what I was going to talk about, but I I think I'm going to go here first. Rumors are a buzz that an indictment against Donald Trump could come as early as next Tuesday in Georgia from, I've always said Fannie Willis, I'm told it's Fawny Willis, the district attorney for Fulton County, Georgia. And uh, the reason it couldn't come before next Tuesday is because of when the grand jury's been meeting, which really starts today, reviewing evidence. Uh, They're hearing from the former lieutenant governor, Jeff Duncan, and others before they do it. So it probably won't even be next week, maybe the week after or the very end of the month, but before Labor Day. Uh, And the odds are growing that it will be an indictment that includes Donald Trump and They're using RICO. I've explained this before. I don't want to be repetitive in this, but one of the tie-ins will be in Coffee County, Georgia, which is a rural county in South Georgia. Uh, Some uh, overzealous supporters of the president were able to get access to a voting machine uh, improperly that will be drawn into this grand conspiracy to steal the election, uh, allegedly. It's all speculative. All of it is speculative. And I say that because I need to say this. We do research. So I'm going to say something that sounds very arrogant. And I really, I promise you, I I can be arrogant when I want to be. I I don't really mean it that way. Um, I have had many a job in my life where I knew I wasn't really good at the job. Um, I was a mediocre lawyer. There were some parts of law I was very good at. I was really good at uh, the the legal writing part of law, whether it was a lawsuit, whether it was uh, interrogatories, requests for production of documents, or or incorporating businesses. Uh, A lot of the stuff that I did kind of became templates for other lawyers at my law firm, but I wasn't a great lawyer. I didn't like it. I didn't like dealing with... Uh, problems that were easily solvable. I loved helping new businesses start up. I liked that. Didn't really like the criminal law aspect that I had to do. I was required to do indigent criminal defense. Um, but, you know, and, and I was a writer for a long time as, as a blogger, and I knew I was good at it because you had metrics you could see. Um, but you had to see the metrics. But, you know, this is a job where I know I'm actually good at it. And I don't need the ratings to tell me. Now, thankfully, I've got the ratings to show me that I'm good at the job. But I know, like, I get up every day now, and this is where I want to be. I I don't like taking days off because I want to be here. 
I'm convinced that big news is going to happen if I'm not behind the microphone and I need to be behind the microphone either to stop the big news from happening or to cover the big news when it happens. I love my job. I love my job. I love my audience. Uh, some of you, <laughs> but I, I love it. Uh, and, and I know I'm good at it. And and one of my frustrations, frankly, in radio is knowing I know that I'm good at it. I've never in my life been a person. I've literally never been the person who thought, man, I'm so much better than everybody else. And this is like the one thing in my life where I think I know I'm actually not only really good at this, but probably better than a lot of other people who do it. Now, some will disagree, but it's because I'm not telling you what you want to hear. The criticisms that I get in radio are the criticisms from people who they believe something and I either must affirm it or I'm a terrible radio show host. The hate mail that I get from people inevitably is from people who are mad at me for not agreeing with them on something. I know I'm good at this. Nonetheless, we also do listen to the audience and research the audience because part of it is this show is growing. I was just in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I was on 20 stations in Georgia. And now th this show is, is spread out around the nation. Um, in fact, if you go to EWErickson.com or EricEricksonShow.com, you can click on the station list. Uh, and I'll tell you, Athens, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, Carrollton, Georgia, Charlotte, North Carolina, Clarksville, Georgia, Dayton, Ohio, Dublin, Georgia, Greenville, South Carolina, Hartford, Connecticut, Jacksonville, Florida, Kalispell, Montana, Knoxville, Tennessee, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Orlando, Florida, uh, Robertsdale, Mobile, Alabama, Rome, Georgia, Salem, Oregon, uh, South Florida and Palm Beach to Miami and Jupiter in between and all that, Southern Pines, North Carolina, Springfield, Illinois, Statesboro, Georgia, Swainsboro, Georgia, Trenton, Georgia, Tucson, Arizona, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Vidalia, Georgia, where we're growing. We're around the country from, from Salem, Oregon, all the way across to Hartford, Connecticut, all the way down to Miami, Florida. We're on the radio. And as the show grows... We want to find out and make sure. I mean, as, as we have a, a disparate audiences from, from different parts of the countries, Montana, Oregon, Arizona, Nevada, Florida, Connecticut, Georgia, Tennessee, what do people want to talk about? Well, no one outside the South really wants to talk about SEC football, so unfortunately it's something we can't spend a lot of time talking about, the greatest football conference in America. But I'll tell you something nobody wants to hear about, and it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter whether they're a Trump supporter or a non-Trump supporter. It doesn't matter whether they're a conservative or a progressive. It doesn't matter if they're an independent. It doesn't matter if they're a moderate. It doesn't, doesn't matter anything um, what people don't want to talk about. The number one topic no one wants to talk about from Salem, Oregon to Miami, Florida to Hartford, Connecticut to Tucson, Arizona. The number one topic people don't want to talk about is Donald Trump. Yeah. People don't want to talk about him. People are tired of talking about it. It's overexposure to a topic. So I was watching CNN this morning in my office. And I was watching CNN very specifically because I wanted to see how much are they covering Trump. Because here's what I know. See, and I, I've mentioned this research of the audience to other people in the media, and it comes up in TV as well. Um, it comes up in 
TV, it comes up in radio, it comes up in online publications. People are exhausted by coverage of Donald Trump. And so I turned on CNN this morning, and you will not be surprised to learn it's all Trump all the time. They deviated to talk about uh, the the referendum in Ohio. By the way, vote no on that, or vote yes, rather. Vote yes in Ohio on, on that amendment to the Constitution. Vote yes. Uh, but I, I was just kind of gobsmacked by how much of it, and, and this is the thing. I mentioned at the very beginning that I was speculating based on what we know in Georgia. Everything in the media right now is all speculation about Trump. It's all speculation. All of it is speculation. They don't know for certain. They're reading tea leaves. They have legal experts. They have no idea. They're just flying blind with speculation, and the public is exhausted by it. We have to talk about it some, but if you've listened over the last few weeks, I've tried to be very deliberate about when I talk about it and how I talk about it because I'm mindful that if I'm exhausted by a topic, and I'm kind of a, an early indicator, when I or no, I actually guess I'm a lagging indicator. When I'm exhausted by a topic, typically the audience is well past being exhausted. And I'm exhausted by the topic. This is a news talk program. The difference between talk radio and news talk radio is that I do have to talk about the news. I can't just talk about kittens and puppies all day. I got to talk about the news, and it's relevant to a degree. But to a degree, and that degree has been exceeded by so many of the news outlets of America, and you're not learning anything new. They keep trying to draw you in. They're convinced you want it. And look at the ratings. Look at the ratings. Fox News is dominant. Newsmax is surging. Even News Nation is surging. Now, I, I Leland Vitter is a friend. He's on News Nation. I've been doing his show a lot. Uh, we're going golfing together next month out in Missouri. And I've never been in Missouri before. He's going to take me golfing out there. And their ratings are rising. And they're not obsessed about Donald Trump. CNN and MSNBC, their ratings are declining. And they are obsessed wall-to-wall, nonstop, uh, liberal fan fiction about the indictments of Donald Trump. When an indictment comes, it's relevant, and the aftermath and surrounding effects of the indictment are relevant. But the day-to-day chess maneuvering of the indictment that's all based on speculation is not relevant, and this is not really a monologue about Trump. It's about how badly the media is doing their job. They're not getting it right. They're falling over into left-wing media fan fiction. The whole thing is absurd. And you... The people are exhausted. All that being said, I'm going to go take a phone call from Craig right now. Welcome, Craig. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. What's going on? Uh, Well, I wanted, speaking of Trump, there's a poll out that I think a lot of Trump supporters are ignoring, but they really need to take a serious look at. And to set the stage, I believe on Election Day, Trump will be in jail just simply because in at least three of the four indictments, there's judge and juries who are licking at the chops to put him there. doesn't matter if he's guilty or not, what the evidence shows, they want him in jail. Oh, they do want him in jail, yeah. And the poll shows that I think it was like 49% of Republicans across the board said that they couldn't in good faith vote for Trump if he was in jail on Election Day, which means... He's already lost if half the Republicans can't vote for him if he's in jail. And I know Trump supporters think they got his back by voting for him in the primary. But what they're probably really doing is ensure that he spends the next four years in prison 
because Biden or any other Democrat's not going to pardon him like a Republican would. Yeah. Okay. This is this is noted, and I appreciate you calling in, Craig, on this. I, I, I'm actually counterintuitively. I don't know that they can find him guilty. And I know I'm going against the prevailing consensus, Craig. I, I know I'm going against your thinking here. If you have just one or two, and, and by the way, so when you form a jury, you get strikes. So the prosecutor and the defense each get to strike people from the jury. But only so many. And they got to have some level of cause after that. You get one or two Trump supporters on a jury because I don't know that this case can stay in the District of Columbia because the District of Columbia is so hostile to Republicans generally. I think even William Barr, who clearly doesn't like Trump at this point, is saying uh, it would be absurd if the judge didn't grant a change of venue request. You get just one or two Trump supporters on that jury. You can't get a conviction if they if they say absolutely not. There's no way this is a political witch hunt. You're not going to get a unanimous jury. In a criminal trial, you kind of need a unanimous jury. I don't know that they can't. I don't know that it's a sure thing. I, I genuinely, I don't know that it's a sure thing. And the left is treating it as such, which is to their detriment, because, you know, just as they blame the courts now when they don't get their way, they'll blame the jury too. But you get just one or two people on a jury who dig their heels in and say, absolutely not, this is political persecution. They're not going to get a conviction. What they do is they get him reelected by doing so. The Democrats are playing a dangerous game, and in their arrogance, they don't realize it. They don't realize it. And I also am seeing a number of prominent progressive voices start to come out and say, you know what? It would be good for the sake of the country if Joe Biden pardoned the man. To pardon Trump, he would essentially be acknowledging he was guilty. Now, part of their reason for this is they speculate Trump voters would bail on him if he accepted a pardon from Joe Biden. But I do wonder if that might happen, uh, put the country at ease and help us move beyond things if Joe Biden pulls a Gerald Ford. I don't know. But the more I think about it, just the more I think about it, you get one or two people who are Trump voters on a jury, you might not get a unanimous, maybe you will. Maybe the system will work based on what we see, and, and and they won't just be dogmatically against it. Maybe they'll weigh the evidence, but maybe they will weigh the evidence and conclude it actually is a political witch hunt, and there's no there there, and they vote no. Well, then you're not getting a conviction for Trump. You get a mistrial at best and a do-over, and it's going to be hard to do. I think the left is playing a dangerous game, and in their arrogance, they do not realize just how dangerous the game is. Did you know China has made it a priority to teach students financial literacy starting in preschool? Financial literacy isn't taught in our elementary schools, and parents lack the resources to teach it at home. American kids are yet again being left behind. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help the kids they love learn about finance, thanks to The Sensibles, and at bcs-kids.com. The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes who help kids aged 6 to 12 develop smart money habits in a fun way. BCS-Kids.com was created to channel this multimedia resource to kids everywhere. Buy a subscription for your loved ones, and each month, they'll get a Sensibles kit in the mail with an entertaining DVD, comic book, and activities. Digital subscriptions are also available. They'll also get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, and more. Want 20% off the monthly subscription costs? Visit at bcs-kids.com. Enter the promo code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K. It's the sensible thing to do. Subscribe today at bcs-kids.com.
The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let me hop over here to Anthony. You're up next. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Hey, I, I just moved here uh, to uh, Georgia from Ohio, and I have to agree with you. Uh, it is exhausting to keep hearing about Donald Trump over and over and over and over. Uh, even Biden. I'm sick of hearing Biden. I'm so ready for a third party. Uh, it, it, it's got to happen. Um, we're looking at Donald Trump. I voted for Donald Trump. But you're looking at Donald Trump. He's going to be 80-some years old, almost 80 years old. You're looking at the guy that's in there right now. I'm not being funny, but I think he's early, early stage Alzheimer's. He's over 80-something years old. These two old guys want to battle each other. Donald Trump's probably going to win if he wins. I don't believe he's going to go to jail. But if he wins, I'm afraid that Donald Trump's going to come back and he's going to be his narcissistic self and not really run the country. And that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things. I wish they'd tackle the taxes, uh, get rid of IRS. Let's talk about this. Let's do something about this high interest rate that's going on. Uh, our gas going up sky high for no reason. Uh, the, the COVID mystery as they call it, uh, has plagued, tried to plague this whole country. And I believe it was, uh, I know people passed away from it, but I just believe it's a big joke, uh, for it to happen, I believe it was man-made. No one's talking about that. We know the media, you know, they're easy. They're going to talk about what they're supposed to talk about. They're ran by the government, I believe. And, and they're only going to say... Well, the, you know, say. Now, I, I got to stop you there. They're not run by the government. They're, they're, they're controlled by the Democrats. So when the Democrats control government, they sound like the government. When the Democrats don't, they sound like the opposition. But to your point, Anthony, I, I got to let you go there because we're running out of time. But... That's well said. I, I think fundamentally Americans are exhausted by the, the Biden Trump show. They, they went through this in 2020. They're exhausted. Even Trump voters, all of the research in the media shows are just exhausted by the coverage of it. They love the guy. They love him, but they don't need to hear about him all the time. And the media and pundits, that's all they want to talk about. And there's so much else. And people are missing all of the other more important topics out there. Uh, it, People are just exhausted by it all. And I totally get it because I am too. Uh, what I'm not exhausted by, though, is funding the conservative movement and Patriot Mobile helps do it pretty easily too because all you have to do is move your cell service to them. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Take your cell service to them. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. And you can get guaranteed great service probably using the same cell towers you're already using. And then as their profits grow, they contribute to the conservative causes you care about, from the Second Amendment to pro-life cause to even conservative candidates around the country. Uh, they were set up for that purpose, to be a Christian conservative cell phone provider, the only one in the country, authentically so. Some claim to be, none of them really are, like Patriot Mobile. And Patriot Mobile contributes, puts their money where their mouth is, but they need your business. So if you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, you get free activation with my name, you get great service, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you, get free activation, get great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, even a teacher. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation, and you may really need HR. Well, 
You may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want U.S.-based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They can cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you. It'll help your company grow. It'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam. B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. I now want to talk about lazy girls. This is, this is somewhat ridiculous. Yes, we're talking about lazy girls. I, oh gosh, I, I find this stuff so annoying. Um, Axios is a new site in Washington that has rushed to become as progressive as possible since its debut. And, and it was a, a new site that would give you nuggets of information and easily digestible bullet points. You can go on about your day and they rapidly moved into, I mean, you name the left-wing language. Uh, Axios now does stories about the unhoused instead of the homeless and about uh, pregnant people instead of pregnant women. It's, they have uh, rushed to embrace every single uh, left-wing uh, Orwellian change of language. It's, it's ridiculous. And one of the things that they do is they highlight TikTok trends and try to make them really big news stories when they're really nothing of the sort. So, for example, Axios was the news outlet that started all the coverage about quiet quitting. Now, do you know what quiet quitting is? Quiet quitting is the idea that you go to work and earn money and then you use that money on the things you actually like. What almost every American of every generation has always done until Generation Z came along and decided that they would only work at jobs where they actually cared about what they were doing and they would bring their whole self to the office and pour everything in. And it turns out that a lot of employers were, hey, well, this isn't a political place. You, you, you can't do that here. And they began quiet quitting. According to Axios, they began quiet quitting because that's what they were calling it on TikTok as if the whole world is new and no one before them had ever got a job just for the money so they could go do other stuff. And then the next trend Axios highlighted was called Bare Minimum Monday. Again, people on TikTok started talking about it as if it was something new. Every single person listening here who's ever had a job in an office knows what bare minimum Monday is. You come in on a Monday and you do the bare minimum to get by for that day because you're exhausted from the weekend and you'll catch up with the rest of it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. 
every single one of you knows, but it became Axios said this thing, this thing where people were coming in and they were doing the bare minimum on Monday. They were checking their emails. They were responding to correspondence. They were catching up from all the stuff that happened on the weekend before moving on to new projects as if that's never been done before. When I was a lawyer, I specialized in bare minimum Mondays. You come into the office on Monday and all the partners that sent you stuff over the weekend, your work is piled up and you're just going through and organizing. I got to do this. I got to do this. Got to do this. Got to respond to this and respond to this. I got a deadline for this. Get the rest of the week organized on your Monday because you're not going to do it on the weekend. And now it's some brand new thing. Thanks to Gen Z on TikTok, according to Axios. Well, now the latest. Again, According to Axios, because of a stupid TikTok trend, is lazy girl jobs. How absolutely ridiculous. But it's become a thing because now other people are citing this Axios story as if it's some big thing. Let me tell you what a lazy girl job is. And you tell me if it's something new. You ladies... Instead of working your way up the corporate ladder to try to get to the $200,000 a year job, are perfectly content doing the $80,000 a year job and don't feel the need to get on the corporate um, hamster wheel. Hmm? Does that sound familiar to you? Those of you who have a job, you make a good salary, you have no ambition to work your way up to the C-suite, you don't need to be the CEO, you're just doing your job, making your money, going home and living your life. That's called a lazy girl job now as opposed to a job. <laughs> it's it's called a job. It's called a job. But according to Aaron Growl, co-founder of Charter, a media and research firm focused on the future of work, it's a rejection of hustle culture. It's a rejection of toxic corporate feminism. These people are insufferable. A lazy girl job could help employees achieve better work-life balance, according to Gabrielle Judge, a 26-year-old who's amassed more than 17 million views using the lazy girl job hashtag featuring women at their desks discussing the benefits of their office jobs. Now, I want to I predict something. Charlie, I don't know that you need to put this in the CI told you so folder, but I bet you in 20 years or less, we're going to have lazy girl regret videos on whatever social media platform exists. I took a lazy girl job when I was 25 and decided not to climb the corporate ladder. And now I think I would be a better CEO had only I applied myself in my job instead of filing my nails at my desk. You know it's going to happen. 20 years from now, we're going to have all the regrets. I did. I engaged in quiet quitting and stopped applying myself at my job. And Joe Bob Billy from Redneck Stan, Alabama, he became the CEO. If only I had worked harder, that Redneck Hillbilly from South Alabama wouldn't have got the job. But he applied himself and even spoke in full syllables. Or the bare minimum Monday regrets. Casey Suzanne Swindle Sunshine 
got the promotion instead of me because she came in on Monday and stayed later and worked harder than me. How dare they give that sunshine girl a promotion when they could have given it to me because I know how to use post-it notes. This is where we are. This is me beating on the table because I can't hit my head on the table because I would accidentally hit the microphone. This is it. This is considered a news story in the American press, but wait, There's more. And this is from the Los Angeles Times. This is the headline. Remote work gave them a reprieve from racism. They don't want to go back. That's right. In 2021, Just 3% of black, white-collar knowledge workers wanted to return to full-time in-office work, compared with 21% of white ones, according to research from Future Forum, a project backed by instant messaging firm Slack, which makes money off of people not being in the office together. Hmm, how does that work? The research found that hybrid and remote work arrangements increased black workers' feelings of belonging at work and boosted their ability to manage stress. Part of the push for remote work can be explained by the preference of millennial and young workers who want freedom to choose where they do their job. But how supervisors evaluate workers is also a factor. And apparently, black workers worked remotely and didn't experience racism. Now, again, this is all funded by a group that makes mint by having people work remotely. Did you know, by the way, that uh, Joe Biden today announced he wants federal workers to go back to the office and stop working remotely? Also, by the way, did you know that the White House cafeteria, the Navy mess, they call it, did not reopen for food until March of this year because of COVID? They literally, I mean, this is, it's a religious thing. It is religious. They kept the mess closed, starving White House employees because of COVID. They didn't want them working together. And now suddenly everybody's go back to the office. You know, I, I understand like why, why Philip wants to work remotely because he gets less short jokes in the office. I, I get it. I mean, I, I, I totally get this. He's right next door to me so I can say it loudly through the wall for him to hear. But the, the whole idea that so black workers don't want to go back to work because of the racism in the office, why do they have their job then? Why aren't they suing? This is just, ah, you can't say that to my face because I'm on radio. And it would go through the microphone and we'd both lose our jobs as a result. Ha! <laughs> I'm a terrible boss. I just pay well. Um uh, this is this is just this whole the work trend stuff is ridiculous. Here's the thing. This is what's actually going on here is young workers are coming into the workforce for the first time and they have social media and everything is new and shiny and never before done. Did you know there is this remarkable device in an office and it takes these these metal things that look like an upside down letter C. And when you bang on it with pieces of paper, that metal C binds around them and they call it a stapler. Generation Z has never seen one of these things before. By God, it must be new. 
That's what's going on here. And the media, the young reporters in the media are covering this stuff as if they have hit on some major sociological phenomenon that, oh my gosh, there's a phenomenon of workers who go to work to earn a paycheck so they can live life outside the office. Did, 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 did these people really think you graduated from high school and you got put in a cubbyhole somewhere and you were never allowed to leave? That seems to be what they're thinking. Or the idea that we're going to take seriously a survey by Slack, a left-wing group that makes money by you working remotely, claiming black employees, they don't like the racism in the office. They want to stay home so they don't experience the racism they experience at the office where they otherwise still want to earn money. The state of journalism today, this is where we are. This is this is quiet quitting and and black people don't want to go to work because all their coworkers are racist and and young women want lazy girl jobs. Do you know if I just came up with the phrase lazy girl jobs, some of you people would try to cancel me. But that's what they're calling it, women, when you just want to go to work and earn a paycheck and you're not interested in the social promotion and the social ladder climbing and the getting into the corporate office, you're a lazy girl now. You lazy girls who are just doing your job and making a paycheck and going home to your family and and your husband who's been at work all day and expects you to cook supper because never mind you were at work. Don't you know he was at work? And then you got to take care of the kids because your husband's not going to do that. Is is he? Well, some husband, I helped take care of my kids, but then when we had our first, I was gone every week for the first year of my kid's life. That was something. I just, this is, there's an overarching media tie in here. You know what's so funny? Philip and I, we went to lunch today and he's like, there's there's no like overarching like connectedness in all these news stories, except there really is. And all the different stories I've talked about, it's how the media chooses to cover stuff. It's how so many reporters now are trying to generate news. And let's be honest, this is a slow news month. It's why we're getting so much COVID fear porn. I don't know if you, you've seen these stories. I saw one in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I've seen it in the New York Times. I've seen one in the Los Angeles Times, USA Today. COVID is rising again. The number of people getting COVID is coming up. I actually know somebody the other day who got diagnosed with COVID. Haven't heard anyone diagnosed with COVID in a very long time, and suddenly someone did. But the media is playing all of this stuff up. And do you know why? Why we're getting the, the lazy girl job stories? Why we're getting the, the black employees are afraid of the racism at the office stories? Why we're getting all the overflowing stories? about uh, climate change, it's because it's August. And you're scratching your head. Let, let, me, let me explain this to you. Congress goes home for the month of August. Joe Biden goes to the beach. Kamala Harris goes to California. There is no news in August as far as the media is concerned because all of the bureaucrats go on vacation, because all of the congressmen go on vacation, because the president and vice president go on vacation, because in Washington, D.C. and the surrounding environments, schools don't go back until after Labor Day. Here in the South, all of our kids have started going back to school. 
in Washington and in Southern Maryland and Northern Virginia, they don't go back until after Labor Day. So August is traditionally when Congress goes on vacation. It's when George Bush would go to the Crawford Ranch. It's when Barack Obama would go to Martha's Vineyard. It's when uh, Joe Biden spends a month in Delaware and all the congressmen go home. So there is no news. So August is the month that the media overplays the most meaningless news stories of the time. And so that's all they've got to talk about. Lazy girl jobs, racism at work, people not wanting to return to the office. And Trump, did we mention Trump? Trump and the indictment of Trump, Trump, Donald Trump, Trump, the indictment. We got to tell you what might come. It's all speculation, but we're going to talk about it because there's nothing happening in Washington, D.C. So it's all nonsensical news designed to make you tune in and be scared of the weather and scared of COVID and scared of each other and scared of your coworkers and call girls who work lazy. And it's the media doing it, not me. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me here. Mike Pence looks like he's going to make the presidential debate. Now, this is this is good. Um, apparently, one of the things that uh, the Trump campaign is suggesting is instead of doing debates, they're going to do alternate programming. So there's a big uh, event in Iowa. A lot of the Republican candidates are going to. I think every Republican candidate is going to it. Uh, but uh, the former president decided he's going to do his own thing and try to draw a crowd away from the thing everybody else is doing. Well, Mike Pence is now suggesting maybe Trump will have the courage to show up on the debate stage. Uh, I don't know that he will. I, I think he'll do his own thing. Fox News is trying to get him there, but Pence has struggled. Um, and, you know, I, I got to say, I am, I'm friends with the Pences. I like them tremendously. Uh, I have known him for a long time, and as I have said on this program, I just think it reflects poorly on the GOP, whether they want to vote for the guy or not, uh, that we're not giving Mike Pence a fair hearing, giving all he's done for the conservative movement over his lifetime. He is a profoundly decent human being. Uh, he wears his faith on his sleeve. He is guided by his faith. Uh, I don't know that he'll be president of the United States, or I don't know that he'll make it through a Republican primary. But I just think you've got a man who was a congressman. He was in the House leadership. He became governor. He became vice president of the United States. If anyone deserves to be on that debate stage, it's him. But it is also telling uh, that he struggled to get uh, donated. He's polled the right way. Uh, he's polled at a level sufficient to get on the debate stage, but he hasn't raised a bunch of money from small-dollar donors, which is one of the criteria. He has now. He's gotten enough donations to get on the debate stage. But he's in this weird position. Uh, Trump supporters believe he's a traitor. People who hate Trump believe he never should have signed on to Trump to begin with. And a lot of the rest of the GOP is ready to move on. And there is a contingent of evangelicals who have never really gotten over him vetoing the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in Indiana. When he was governor, they can't let that go. But it just seems like this man deserves to be on the debate stage, and so now he will be. I'm looking forward to talking to him next Friday. He's, one, he's I will tell you, of all the people who are coming, he's the one I've pushed very hard. I pushed him personally to get him on that stage because I really do want to ask him, uh, why should voters choose you and not your former boss? I want to ask him that question, and I think he and Nikki Haley both need to have an answer for it. And I've told him up front, I want to ask him that question. But then I want to ask him, what is your vision for America? Mike Pence, what's your vision for this country? 
that's what I want to do with all the candidates uh, next Friday at the gathering in Atlanta. I want to ask them essentially what I've done with Senate candidates and others. Who are you? Why are you running? Why you, not these other people on the stage? What? What? Why should people vote for you? Whether it's Ramaswamy or Christie, DeSantis, Haley, Scott, Pence, any of them, why are you the guy that people in this room should vote for as opposed to all these other people? I'm excited to hear their answers next week. If you text DATA to 33777, you can subscribe to the Daily Show Notes. You get a discount on the paid subscription, and you'll get all those exclusives next week when we talk to these candidates on stage in Atlanta. It's coming up a week from this Thursday. The gathering begins in Atlanta, Georgia, as we sit down with all the presidential candidates and ask them why them, not the other guy.